Are you allowing others in your life that will speak truth into your life? Or is it that every time someone says something about the way you're living and says like, hey, this is wrong, you're like, oh my gosh. The church is messy and a lot of times it's because people are in sin and when you call them out or you tell them if they're unwilling to to allow wisdom to come into their life, what you're gonna have is a knee-jerk reaction and that is to leave and go. Part of living with wise people and around wise people is allowing them to see your life for what it is and being able to take good sound advice even if it's difficult. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. We're hopefully going to get through the first six verses tonight. So, uh, 3 verses 1 through 6. Let's read it together and then we'll pray. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you and bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, and fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and um, God, we we just are so blessed to uh, have it, to be able to read it, to be able to study it together. And... um, Jesus, we pray that you would teach us in the power of the Spirit as to what it is to be wise, um, how to gain more wisdom in this life, and and um, Lord, to be living, as your word tells us, as as wise as serpents and gentle as doves in these last days. And, and so, God, we pray that you would speak to us now through your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you're just joining us, we just started a brand new book. Um, We finished the Gospel of John after a year and a half. And so we're starting the book of Proverbs. And uh, last week we looked at wisdom as a way of life. And that is um, that wisdom is something that is not less than the commands and the law of God, but it's more. And wisdom is needed for 80, 90% of of life's problems that we come across that don't have a moral, uh, just kind of a moral compass attached to. There's a lot of questions like, what do I do and what do I do here? And so wisdom is something that we all need. And last week we began this study in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. It was written by King Solomon, who is known universally as the wisest man who has ever lived. And we learn that wisdom is not just something we gain, but it is someone we become. Um, and wisdom is not also, it's also not just for someone who is, who is older. It's not for the young. It's for everyone. Wisdom is for everyone. It is available to anyone who would set out to gain wisdom. 
But wisdom begins, like we, we looked at last week, it begins with worship. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We read in uh, the first chapter of Proverbs. And so tonight, we're going to discuss how to become wise. I used to think that at some point, like as I just get older, I'm going to get wiser. I'm just going to know more things. Um, and I've come to find that that is not exactly true. Uh, now that I'm in my mid-30s, I thought like I would understand all of these ins and outs of the world. And um, it just magically, like, bam, it would just happen because I'm 30. And that's what happens when you're 30. You know things about stuff. And, and it hasn't happened unless you search it out unless you find it unless you are willing to pursue it it doesn't just happen overnight um, wisdom is something that we can find and gain as we seek the lord i used to think that man i just i'll know everything once i get to a certain age but now i know that i don't know anything and that is wisdom but wisdom does not simply mean experience either it doesn't just mean someone who's experienced because you can have a lot of experience in life and still be a moron. Wisdom is not just experience, but it's what you learn and are willing to learn from those experiences and also learning from the experiences of others. It's what you gain in that, that moment of experience, learning from those experiences. There's a lot of people that have a lot of experience in life and you're like, you should be more mature, shouldn't you? Like, shouldn't you not keep doing the same thing? And you're like, how come? It's because in all of their experience, they have not gained wisdom and sought to learn from the experiences that they've had in their life. And so there are four points tonight we want to make in this passage concerning how we become wise. And that is, first of all, we want to be around wise people. Look what it says in verse 1. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. It's as a parent who is handing down to a child what they have learned. And we saw it again in verse 11. My son, he's speaking to someone who he, who he loves and, and is bringing them close and under his wings that he might impart what he has learned and the wisdom that he's taken from life and give it to another. As a parent would hand down to a child what they have learned, he is saying, learn from me. Listen to what I've experienced and learned. And it's funny how sometimes people will come for counseling and I've heard you know, people come in for counseling and they're like, counsel me, I need wisdom. And you tell them, like, here's what you should do and here's what you shouldn't do and here's wise counsel. And it's a good thing that you sought wise counsel, but then they go and they don't do it. <laughs> it's like the most, uh, they don't listen or they don't learn from your mistakes and your experience either. And that's what Solomon is saying. He's saying, my son, he's surrounding his kids and surrounding the, these people and saying, listen, learn from me. Wisdom is something that we learn from experience if we're willing to learn from the experience. You are not going to find wisdom, and the point of this whole thing is surrounding and be around those who are wise, is because you're not going to find wisdom on your own, all alone. Wisdom comes from putting yourself around wise people, not just Google and not just YouTube. Like that's how you gain information, and sometimes wrong information. 
right? If you've ever gone on YouTube and searched like how to fix your toilet and then you go to the hardware store and you buy the wrong things and it's just back and forth all the time and you're like, oh, this is not the right video or this is not the right thing. And how many times we've Googled our health and we have, you know, some kind of rare disease. You only pick up in Africa and really you only have the hiccups. So those, those give you information, but sometimes wrong information. Wisdom comes from surrounding yourself with wise people, wise counsel. Wisdom comes from godly community. The Bible tells us that there's a multitude of, in a multitude of counselors, there's wise counsel. It's good to have people surrounding you and who are with you, who are walking with Jesus, who have walked longer than you have and have experienced more life and have learned from those experiences and are passing that information down to you and guiding us. We need people to see what we are often blind to. What I might not see in myself, others can see clearly. And, and sometimes we're so close to a situation and we can't really see the flaw in it until we get an outside perspective and someone speaks right into that, that situation. For instance, spell check. Have you ever made something or, or you've created something on a computer and you're typing away and you're, you, you think it's amazing and you, like, I've made all the correction, I spell checked, and then you hand it to someone and they're like, this is wrong and this is wrong. And, this, and you're like, how? I have corrected this thing so many times. And there's so many hilarious spell check, like uh, autocorrect things on the internet, and a lot of them are funny, but I didn't have time to, you know, type them all out. But, like, some word will get switched, and it'll get sent before they can switch it back. And it's like this text to their boss, and their boss is like, um, did you just call me a walrus? And he's like, no, 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 autocorrect, and all this stuff. Anyway, spell check. A lot of times we can't see what's right in front of us until we get an outside perspective, and someone else looks at it and reads it, and, and then begins to make those corrections. James, the book of James also tells us, it's, it tells us to remove the log from our eye before you remove the speck in your brothers. Like, how do you not see it? It's because we are blinded by our own foolishness, James says. We're blinded by it and we see our sin in someone else and we begin to point it out. So often we can't see the huge, big beam sticking out of the front of our face that God is saying that this is something that needs to be changed. And that only comes by those who are wise around us who are willing to speak the truth into our life. Proverbs tells us of two deadly alternatives to wisdom through community. That, that the alternative is then to isolate yourself. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Suddenly, when you won't take wisdom from others and you won't surround yourself with other people, you begin to build a fortress around yourself of isolation. And suddenly the only opinion that matters is your own. And so you, you take no pleasure in understanding or seeing from another perspective. The Bible calls this foolishness. Foolishness. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Because someone who isolates themselves only sees it from one side. In Hebrews 10.25 it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another 
to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more to see uh, till you see the day drawing near. He says how important it is that we consider and bring and come together in order to stir each other up towards good works. And that comes, and what it's encouraging us to do is that wisdom comes as we surround ourselves with wise people. Wisdom comes from wise, godly community, not neglecting to meet together. Some of, you know, in this you know, in this day and age, like we're all isolated because of this virus thing. But even before that, like people would isolate themselves from church and they'd watch online and they wouldn't be a part of a body. And they're, they're, they're isolating themselves. We're like, yeah, I'm still going to church. I'm getting the information. But you don't have any other wise counsel around you. And so therefore, your opinion is the only one that matters. And that is a deadly, deadly mistake. That is the, one of the alternatives that Proverbs says will happen. The other is, is that you surround yourself with foolish people. Um, Proverbs 13, 20, it says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. In, in Proverbs twenty two twenty four, 24, it says, Make no friends with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. The alternative to godly wisdom and surrounding yourself with wise people is surrounding yourself with foolish people that only... Um, like give permission to the way that you want to live your life. People that are just going to tell you what you want to hear and tell you what you want. He says here that who you spend your time with is actually a glimpse into the person that you will become. It does not mean that we disconnect from everyone, but we're careful with who we give a commanding presence to in our life, especially those who are not walking strong with Christ. It's very important that when you surround who you surround yourself with and who you whose opinion you take is very important. And who you spend most of your time with and your friends or whoever your friend group is, whatever direction they're going, honestly, you can see that is a glimpse into who you will who you will become. So if you surround yourself with foolish people, odds are you'll end up in the same boat. And the point of surrounding yourself with wise community or wise people is that are you allowing others in your life who are willing to tell you the truth, who are willing to tell you the truth, not just what you want to hear, but allowing your life to be seen. It helps you not to get picked off by the enemy. So often that's, that's what happens. If you've ever watched any nature show ever, if you've ever watched, there's like a scene where the lion's there and they're like, the line of the Serengeti or whatever. And he's like walking across the, the field. And what happens? He's looking for a meal. And often it's like the sick old one that's kind of slower in the back by itself. That's the one they go for. Anytime you see some like creature falling behind as they're running away from the lion. And you see that one that's just kind of getting tired and slowing down. You're like, oh no, that one's gone. That, that. That's, a, that's the one that's going to die. Um, you don't want to be the lone water buffalo on the African plain. Like you will get picked off by the enemy. So are you allowing others in your life that will speak truth into your life? Or is it that every time someone says something about the way you're living and says like, hey, this is wrong. You're like, oh my gosh, 
like, I can't believe, I can't believe this. Like I was totally, you know, involved in community. And then someone said I was in sin and then I was like, Oh, whatever. Like I'm out of here. How dare, you know, that's what the church is. The church is messy. And a lot of times it's because people are in sin. And when you call them out or you tell them if they're unwilling to, to allow wisdom to come into their life, what you're going to have is a knee jerk reaction. And that is to leave and go find a place where everyone will just praise you and everything that you do is gold and you're a victim and all this other junk. So part of living with wise people and around wise people is allowing them to see your life for what it is and being able to take good sound advice, even if it's difficult. Well, he says, do not forget my law. But the second thing is in verse one is to not forget the law, meaning that we listen to the word of God. We listen to the word of God. Listen, my obedience to the word of God is determined by my hearing of God's word. You don't just drift into wisdom. Like you don't just kind of lackadaisically like end up wise one day where you just wake up on a Thursday and you're like, I think I'm wise. Like, yes, I think I'll save my money or I'll, you know. (laughs) However, that doesn't just like happen overnight. Although it would be awesome if that would happen. God would just zap you and you're like, wise. But that's not how it takes place. It comes by listening to and being involved in the word of God on a day-to-day basis. You don't just wake up wise one day. It's a daily pursuit of the word of God to find wisdom through hearing God's word. This is why God's word is taught. This is why it's studied. This is why we proclaim it. This is why we, we devote ourselves to it is because this is the way of wisdom. It's found in God's word. It's for us, as we read it, is to be a reminder to ourselves of God's will, his love, his encouragement to us. It's for us, it's revealing God's heart and will for our lives, as well as the will of God for other people and in the written will of God right here for us, which is what strengthens our faith. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible says, and hearing by the word of God. By the, the third point is, is that we become wise by practicing then and by living out what we hear. So he says, my son, surround yourself with wise counsel, listen to the word of God, and then practice the word. Practice what comes from the word every single day. And as you learn it, to take that out into your everyday life. Look what he says, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace will be added to you. The Bible tells us in the book of James, James tells us to not just be hearers of the word of God, but doers of the word of God. And in our case, it's great to hear God's wisdom, but we need to practice that every single day. And it's, it is what it is. It's practicing God's wisdom. As God writes down his will for us and writes down encouragement for us, we read that, we hear that, and then we go and practice those truths of God's word. It means to commit to wise practices. 
I can know the wise thing to do and know God's word, but we become wise by daily putting those things into practice and implementing God's word in our daily lives. So not just only hearing it, but keeping it, doing it, what God says to do. And it's he says length of days and long life. Now you're going to read these Proverbs and maybe you're reading like long life and and peace and you're thinking, wait, I know someone who lived wise and they didn't have that. What is going on here? Well, now these are general principles, not promises. It's not a promise necessarily, but it is a general truth, not an absolute truth. Because if, let's take it for instance, where he says, um, uh, happy is the man who finds wisdom and a man who gains understanding for her for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and the gain that are fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things that may desire. Length of days in her right hand and the left hand riches and honor. Or you look at the other ones that say, you know, being honest in your business place and in your work, people will trust you more. That is a general truth. Yeah, generally, people will be more trusting of you. Now, you'll have those obscure people that won't. But it's a it's a general it's it's true for most of the time in in most occasions. Now this is not a promise where you're like length of days, yeah. Doesn't matter what I do. But he, he's saying here that this is a general truth. If you will do this, generally it will do this for you in most cases. Um. But he says we need to practice wisdom as well. But in verses 3 and 4, it says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablets of your heart. He's saying here is we need to bring wisdom and what we're learning and what we're hearing out into the public. Out into public. It, it, when it talks about hanging it around your neck, it's you know a necklace. It's, it's seen. I don't really wear a necklace, but... Uh, I hear ladies do, and they have a necklace, and you can see it. You're like, oh, that's pretty. Um, what he's saying is to let your life speak of what you've been learning by God's word, and it will be a testimony to the transforming power of God's word. It will cause a distinction between us and the world. And writing them upon our heart, it means to, to an outward display of an inward work of what God has done. The heart of man and the inner parts will, will have this new law governing it. And so he's talking about bringing what we know of Jesus and what we know of his word and the wisdom that is found in it to bring that out into the public to be seen as we live our lives in front of the world. That there's a distinction between us and in the way that the world lives. And this is a wisdom that's found. Um, it's found in Christ. It's found in the Lord. And so there's a difference between Christians in the, in the world and the way the world does things. The way that we treat money, the way that we treat our sexuality, the way we treat uh, each other, the way that we treat um, just about everything is going to be different and counterculture to the way the world does. And so that's what he's saying here. Bring out wisdom into the public square and to live it out in front of those who can see it as well as writing it upon our heart keeping it upon our heart remembering the wisdom that is found in God's word and what God tells us in his word um 
And he says, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and of man, meaning that God will like what he sees. God will be pleased in what he sees in our life. Now, all of this is leading towards verses five and six. And maybe you're like, oh yeah, verses five and six. Like that's, those are my life verses. These are like some of my life verses. I love these verses. But maybe you're wondering, like, I know, I know these verses. I have them on a pen or I have them on a, a t-shirt from camp, but I don't really know what it means. Well, let's look at what they say. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We've looked at how to become wise is we surround ourselves or we be around wise people. We are careful about who we um, uh, allow to have a commanding presence in our life. We also want to listen to the word of God. I know it's fundamental, but it's absolutely true. We want to practice wisdom. We want to take it out into the public and to live out what we hear. But the last one here is that we want to surrender to a wise God. Surrender to a wise God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. To trust, this word trust, it means to lie flat on your face with your arms out. It means to place all of your weight upon this one thing. To trust means to put everything upon this one thing. And that is what we're called to do in that if if I'm looking to live a, a wise life or to gain wisdom, how do I do it? First, he, he tells us to, to surround ourselves with wise people. We want to um, uh, listen to the word of God, remember his word, practice his word, and we want to surrender our life to a wise God, to trust him with our life. And there's three things that we want to we do, and that is we want to put God at the center of our life. You may be thinking, like, I've heard this before, and I've heard this my whole life, and this is super, like, fundamental. Like, so what? We all need to be remember, reminded, right? There's so many times in the Gospels where Jesus says, remember, remember, remember. Even in communion, Jesus took the most common parts of a meal in any Jewish family, bread and wine, and he used them as a, as a symbol to them of his body and his blood. So every time, listen, every time they would sit down at a meal, they would have bread and they would have wine. And Jesus said, when you take these, remember me. So every time he was encouraging them to remember him. Why? Because we forget. Like it's so easy to forget. Every time I talk to my kids, like, didn't I tell you to blah? And they're like, oh, I forgot. And you're like, mm, I just told you. Jesus did the same thing to his disciples all the time. You read it in the Gospels. Jesus says, remember I told you. Remember I told you. And they're like, you did? When? Oh, I was eating fish. I totally forgot. <laughs> anyway, we want to put God at the center of our life. God, you do what you want to do with my life, we say. My life will revolve around your will, your plan, your say-so. It's a recognition that God is everything. God is everything. And so if he's at the center of it all, and my life and every decision that I'm making is, 
is surrounded around the fact that God is God and I'm not, and I'm trusting in him, and I'm, I'm laying my life before his feet and saying, God, this is yours, do as you will. Now, this is not saying that we don't have to make decisions anymore, and we don't have to like be involved in our life. We're like, I'm just trusting God, sitting here on the couch, I've eaten like four Snickers. I'm like just trusting God with my health. You know, like, no, that doesn't mean that you're removed from responsibility. But what it does mean is that we're, recogni we're recognizing that God is everything. And so my life is to be centered on Christ. But not only that, we want to put him in charge of our life. Look what it says. Turn, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Leaning on your own understanding, you're like, what does that even mean? Like my understanding. What how do I lean on understanding? When we lean on our own understanding, it is to claim ownership of our life rather than seeing it as a stewardship of that life. It's claiming ownership over something that isn't ours. And so leaning upon our, under, our own understanding is to say that, God, this is in my control, and I don't understand what you're doing, and so therefore I throw it out, and I, I'm going to remain on this, this can, and this is what I'm going to do. It's being reminded that you're not in control of it. God is, and as we give that over to him and trust in him, I'm not going to lean on what I can understand. I'm going to lean on what God is doing and the fact that God is God. It's crazy, like, whoever thought that you would live through a pandemic? Like when we were in school and you read about Spanish flu and you're like, oh, it stinks for them, but that's never going to happen to me. And here we are kind of living through something that none of us have lived through and we're like, God, 2020 so far hasn't been too great. You know, like I thought this was going to be, you know, whatever. But we don't lean on our understanding, our own understanding. We, like the, the verse before, said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your heart, meaning that we, get, we lean on him with everything that is within us, all your heart, allowing him to into every part of our life. So we put God at the center, we put him in charge, and then we, we allow him into every part of our life. That's what it means to trust with all of my heart. And as you do, look what the promise behind it is. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It doesn't say, and God will ruin your life. Imagine if that's what it said. Trust in God and he will ruin your life. No, that's not what it says. It says that in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. As you do this, as we trust in God, as we allow him into every part, every room, every corridor of our heart. As we trust in him for, for our life and we put him at the center and we, we, our life revolves around the worship of God in whatever we do. And as we allow him into every room and corridor of our life, we understand that God is a God who loves us as a good shepherd, who leads us and guides us. And because he leads us and guides us and because he loves us, what does it say? God's going to direct your path. God's going to direct your path. If you look at the people that Jesus came in contact with in the Gospel of John, as we study through the Gospel of John, all their lives were either restored or they were healed. Like that's what Jesus wants to do. 
when we trust in him and we we don't you know lean on what we can understand and we just trust that God is God and we're not and he has a plan and he has a purpose as I center my life around him what's going to happen God directs me and where is he directing me he's directing me towards restoration and he's directing me towards healing there was one man who went away from Jesus sorrowful and that is because he he said no to Jesus and that was the rich young ruler there was one person that went away from Jesus sorrowful and that was because he said no to Jesus he said no he refused to make Jesus the center and he puts all of his weight on his money and he went away sad and disappointed. Listen, every encounter that we have with the Lord is a yes or a no. And we can say yes to him or we can say no to him. We can either trust in him or we can do the opposite. And that is to lean on what we can understand and try and take back ownership of what really doesn't belong to us in the first place. The wisest thing that we can do is to say yes to Jesus. Always. It's the wisest thing we could do. That Jesus takes something away and we're like, hey, that was good. Why did you take that? We recognize that God is God. And he knows what's best for me. And if he took that away, what, what is he going to bring back in its place? What is God doing? How is he working in us? I don't always know. But we do know that God has wisdom available to us as we search it out and as we look toward it. So that's kind of, in short, how to become wise. We want to surround ourselves with wise people. We want to listen to God's word. We want to practice God's word in our life. And we want to let and say yes to Jesus and trust in him and not our own understanding. Acknowledging that he is God. He's God. So I hope you're blessed. Um, I know these are shorter. It's weird how much shorter I teach with no one here. I don't know. It's I've realized like you guys are the inspiration so often from what I'm teaching and the Holy Spirit hits you with something is, I don't know. It's been so strange teaching with no one in the room and just looking at myself in a, in a, on a screen, which is painful. But I've realized like so much of what comes from from our times together on Thursdays is because you guys are there. And so uh, super weird, but um, let's pray and then we'll uh, we'll close for tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word and that you desire God for us to be wise and um, that you offer it to us. And so, Lord, I pray that each of us um, would seek to be humble enough uh, to allow people to speak into our life. Lord, to be humble enough to, to actually admit that we're wrong or that we need help and we need others. And so, Lord, we pray that we wouldn't just seek counsel from the Internet and, um, and from those easy access points, but, Lord, seeking wisdom from those that have learned the lessons of life. And so, God, we pray that you would put those people in our life and in our path that we might um, grow wise. And Lord, help us to take what we hear from your word and to live it out in our, our everyday life and to take those things that are, are written 
down for us and put them into practice. And Lord, we thank you that it is practice. Sometimes it doesn't always go well, but you give us another opportunity to try again. And we're, we're so thankful that wisdom is a practice of our life. And so um, we love you, Lord. We pray that you would be with be with our, our fellowship and, and those uh, who are far away and those who are, are unable to be with us or to gather with us and those that are sick right now, Lord, I pray that you touch them, heal them. Lord, we pray that you would bring beauty from this time of ashes and just being stuck at home and, and um, not knowing what's next uh, and things that are uncertain. Lord, we just want to be reminded of the things that are certain, and that is that you're on the throne and you're in control. And so, um, Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.